You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Hey, Creek family. Uh, it's Pastor Matt here. Uh, wow, we're uh, coming to you with a different kind of service this weekend. Um, just like we did last weekend, we're trying to get creative and uh, do our best. And so <laughs> um, I and Heather in Canada um, celebrating the birth of our grandson, Levi Sage, and uh, got to spend some great time with him and with Winona. And man, uh, so I don't know what travel looks like. Uh, we are going to hopefully be back in Dallas this weekend, uh, but we'll see. Um, so uh, we'll see how all that goes. And uh, man, I just this weekend was a weekend I was really looking forward to being with everybody um, because it's our 10th anniversary. And uh, I just started thinking a lot about the last 10 years. And um, man, we started in a, in a house moved to a daycare facility. We moved to uh, an incredible facility that right now is empty. Um, hey, and we're back to a home. And so, uh, hey, God brings us full circle. So uh, we're just celebrating 10 years. But ultimately, I just want to thank God and thank you for an incredible journey. We've seen thousands of people ministered to, hundreds of lives changed. And here's what we know about, about God. He's not done yet. Um, he's still working. He's still moving. He's still on the throne. And so thank you so much for being on this journey with us. Um, so many of you uh, have engaged with us in giving your time and, and serving so so faithfully. And, and for those of you that have given, thank you for that. Um, thank you for your faithfulness and obedience to God and trusting the creek with those resources. Um, we have done our best to steward those as effectively as possible. And even in this time, we're we are doing our best to be the best managers and best stewards of every penny that comes in um, so that we keep ministry going forward because we know ministry is never about a facility. It's about a people. And so uh, you are the people. So thank you for that. Um, I prayed about this a lot, um, about uh, breaking from our study of Galatians and, and moving into something else. But um, we, uh, I just felt God saying, no, we, we stay the course and, and then as I started really just kind of reformatting this message, it really just, man, it hit home. Because uh, as, as Heather and I were praying about even getting ready for this, this teaching and asking for the Holy Spirit to anoint our teaching time, I was reminded that Paul wrote this letter over distance. He wrote this letter to the church in, in Galatia, the churches in Galatia, over a distance. And so he didn't get to be there with him. And so... Uh, uh, really, we're kind of reliving some of that, and uh, Paul's making some appeals to the churches in this passage, and, and we're going to put scripture on the screen. If you've got your Bible, follow along, go to Galatians chapter 4. Uh, the whole theme of Galatians and the whole thing we've been studying through is this: the religious leaders are changing the game, and they're leading people into legalism as a means of salvation and spiritual growth, and man, we know that's just not the truth, and so Paul is writing back to them and now look, guys, come on, this is, this is not it. This is not the game you should be playing. And, and in, in this passage we're going to look at, Paul lays it out to the, to the Galatians, and now he's going to remind them of their love for each other and their connection and, and what this is, what, what's really going on. He kind of just, just cuts to the chase in this section. And so uh, I'm just going to read through it, and we're going to study it. Um, so gather around your 
your couch, your, your game room, your living room, your dining room, your kitchen island, whatever it is. If you're at your kitchen island, you better have salsa though. This message goes great with chips and salsa, if you can find it, I guess. Uh, but here's another thing I wanna challenge you guys to do. Um, as you're watching this, post comments. Um, our staff, we're all gonna be online uh, for these live service, live service streams and uh, we're gonna be online with you guys. And, and here's something I would like to see you do. Post pictures of your family in your living room. Um, make sure they are PG rated. So if you're watching in your underwear, don't send that, okay? Um, but send pictures of your family or your group or maybe you've invited some neighbors for a watch party and uh, invite them over. Send pictures of your gathering and uh, how you're engaging with the service. I know there's some information coming out how to best do that. But uh, as we get into Galatians, I'm just gonna read and here we go. So Galatians chapter four, verse 12 says, brothers, I entreat you become as I am for I also became as you are. You did me no wrong. What Paul's saying here is put yourself in my shoes because I put myself in your shoes. Paul's a Jew. Um, he shows up to the, the churches in Galatia and he's, he's a Jew speaking to the Gentiles. And so he said, I didn't, I didn't separate because as Alec taught us last week, there's no difference between uh, slave or free, Jew or Greek. It's we're, we're all one. And he says, I became like you. You became like me. We became unified um, so that there's no division among us. Then he goes on. You know, it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged your eyes out and given them to me. How have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Man, he's really getting into the heart of this. He said, you know, I, I was dealing with a physical issue that wouldn't allow me to travel. That's how I ended up in Galatia. And you reached out, you're concerned for me. You welcomed me in. You, you brought me in as a part of your family. You cared for me. You cared for me even as you would Jesus himself. And I'm, I'm just reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 when he's talking about the end of days. He brings people and he separates them on the right and the left, the goats and the sheep. And he tells the people on the right, he says, you know, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. You cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the people answered and said, Master and Lord, when, when did we see you in these conditions and do this for you? And he said, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You did this to me. And what Paul's telling them is, you did this. You treated me as though Jesus were in your midst. And that was the connection and the relationship that we had. So what happened? What's happened to us? How did we get here? Um, you, you went from, I'll give you my eyes if I have to, to, to we're now enemies because I'm speaking the truth to you. And ah, the truth has to be spoken, you guys. The truth has to be spoken, but it has to be spoken in love. It's what Paul told the, the church in Ephesus, that, that we're to speak the truth in love to one another because there's an ultimate goal of that. The goal of that is to build up the church and What's happened is the unity of the church has been pulled. It's been, it's been severed and, and, and Paul's trying to bring that back together and he's saying, look, I'm speaking to the truth to you because I love you. And uh, we've got to be able to stand back on that foundation of love. He goes in this next piece in verse 17. He says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They wanna shut you out that you, make much, that you might make much of them. What he's saying is these religious leaders are just trying to get you into their game. And it's not a good game because 
what they're doing is they're puffing you up and saying, you can be holy, you can be spiritual, you can be righteous, you can be just as I am, but you got to do these things. And they're not doing this for you. They're doing this for them because they're broken. They've missed out on the grace. And so they're trying to shut you out on grace as well. And, and so they're trying to get you, they're trying to drag you back down to their level is what Paul's saying. And don't, don't go there because it, it's, their purpose is no good. And, and all it's doing is to try to make them feel better. You know, it's amazing to me that when we are struggling personally, we like to bring people into our misery, right? Um, not, not find ways to elevate out of that, but we want to drag people in because sometimes we use those people we've drug in to step on to get out of grace, to get out of our situation. And it's exactly what Paul's saying. This is what the religious leaders are doing for you guys. And they've got this selfish motive and everything. You're, you're, they're trying to create this dependence on them. Look, we're seeing in this time, the dependence isn't on me. The dependence isn't on a system called the church. The church is people. The church is a people that are redeemed by grace. And, and that's where, what happens is when, when, when the structure breaks down, we go back to like, it's, it's not the systems that sustain us. It's the, it's the relationship with Jesus. It's the grace that continues to move in us and transform us from glory to glory. And that's, that's what Paul's really trying to, to get him back to. And then, then he, he closes out this section. He says, it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose. So it's, it's good to do good. Um, but he says, but not only when I'm present with you, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone for I'm perplexed by you. I don't get you is what he's saying. I'm just, I'm frustrated. When I was there, we were moving and grooving and, and my, my presence with you stirred you on to do these, these things and, and to do good and to, to share the gospel in your community and to care for your neighbors and to, and to love one another and to, to welcome one another in and to not let the divisions uh, create barriers in our relationships with our community. And, and, and when I was there, this was happening, but, but don't, let all, don't let everything that we did and accomplished be dependent on my physical presence with you. I mean, this is a great, great teaching for this time because everything that God wants to do in us is not dependent on, on physical presence with each other. It's dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit moving in and moving out. Paul's saying, I'm just frustrated by this. You know, I wish I could be with you because maybe we could have a better conversation. I love that about Paul because he said, he, he would say, in my letters, I'm really hard. But when I get there, I'm soft, you know, I mean, I, because isn't that amazing when, when love kind of takes over? I mean, we can write things out of frustration. We'll type things out of frustration. We'll, we'll, we'll vlog things out of frustration. But when we get into the relationship, when we get face to face, it's amazing how tone can change and we begin to work together. And Paul's saying, we need that partnership again. We need that ability to work together. Um, and he's, he's really saying, I'm just, I'm, I'm perplexed by this. I'm frustrated by it. And, and when, uh, he says, I'm like a mother in the pains of childbirth and the anguish of childbirth. And, um, and my daughter knows that very well. I mean, last Friday, she gave birth to our, our grandson, Levi. And, and uh, she's a trooper. She did it naturally, man. Um, I, 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 I'm a man. I have a pain threshold that is nothing compared to women. Um, and then negative compared to a mother. Um, but she did this naturally. I'm like, I, 
look, give me all the drugs you can, okay? I mean, just the thought of it, I want drugs, right? I need something to, to ease this anxiety. But, but that anguish of childbirth, it, it, it's temporary. It's momentary and, and what, because it's a process. Something on the other side. There's something on the other side, you know? She went through this process of, of delivering Levi, and, but then immediately she begins to see him. I mean, for months, as, as God has knit him together in, in her womb, and the culmination of that whole thing, when, when they finally laid him into her arms, and, and she has sight. I mean, faith has become sight. All of our prayers that he's healthy, that, 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 that everything goes smoothly. You know, all that faith becomes sight. And, and she gets to see his face, and she gets to hold his little hands, and I was holding him the other night, and I was just kind of rubbing his feet. He's got the longest toes of any baby I've ever seen, y'all. I mean, I mean, he might be kind of, he's going to be tall. We'll just say it that way. But I was just looking at his toes and just in awe. And that's what Paul's saying is like, right now, I'm in this anguish. I'm frustrated because people are leading you astray, and you're missing the grace of God. And you're limiting yourselves in the grace of God. You're limiting yourselves in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm in anguish of childbirth because here's what I know. It's a process. And on the other side, Christ's character is being formed in you. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. He's like, I, I'm in pain right now, but I'm longing for that moment when I see not just your face, but I see Christ's face in you. And so it, it, he's saying, I'm frustrated. I'm perplexed by you. Why? Why we continue to sway back and forth into these attitudes and behaviors and mindsets and systems and structures when grace has set us free from all of that so we can thrive above all of that so that ultimately what grace does is, man, make me look more like Jesus. Make you look more like Jesus. Make your kids look more like Jesus. Make your families, make your bosses, make your employees, make society, make everyone look more like Jesus. And ultimately, that's what Paul's trying to bring us back to is this is what it is. He's making some heavy statements to the Galatians. He's making an appeal to them, an appeal, a request. He's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. I'm, I'm appealing to you for our relationship. And this relationship is a reflection of the church. It's the church is the body of Christ. It's the family of God. And uh, Paul's calling them back to participate in the family. Look, grace gives us a place at the table. But we've got to come and participate at the table. And he's saying, look, you've been saved by grace. This other system's not going to do anything but lead you into frustration, guilt, shame, this endless cycle that you're going to constantly try to break out of your own will Come back to the table. Let grace feed you. Let grace sustain you. Let, let, let grace motivate you. Let grace do all the work. And, and, and these appeals that he's making, the, the first appeal that, that I really see very clearly, clearly in this is an appeal for unity and connection. He says, come back so that we can be together. In verse 12, he says, become, you know, let's become like one another. I became like you, you can become like me. Let's become, and it's not you become a Jew or I become a Gentile. It's let's become together 
in the image of Jesus so we look more like him. And he's calling them back for this unity and this connection. They've been divided by false teaching. They've been divided by lies of saying, here's how you gain spiritual maturity. Here's how you gain salvation. Here's how you get favor with God. Here's how you get out of the situation you're in. Look, look, we're gonna be in a time where there's gonna be a lot of information coming at us about what we need to do and how we need to fix things and and here's the answer and here's the antidote and here's the cure, here's the vaccine. But ultimately, we can't chase those things. We've got to chase Jesus in this time. We've got to be unified. We've got to be connected because let me tell you something, the enemy is working. We're seeing, you know, just in the news report after report after report, it's the coronavirus is an enemy that we've got to defeat. It's an enemy, it's an enemy. And, And I heard one, I was watching one vlog and, It said that the coronavirus is a faceless enemy. And man, I just thought about the devil in that. Is that that we have a faceless enemy called the devil and we like to put these tags on him, but ultimately he's working in this. He's trying to divide the church and he's trying to bring in fear and panic and say, you know, you can't meet so the church is ineffective. Man, this is the time where the church is shining. This is the time where the church is stepping up. I've been watching you on Facebook. I see your posts, what you're doing for your neighbors, and and you're coming together in this, and this is exactly what the enemy doesn't want. Let me say this about the enemy's plan. He wants to divide. He wants to destroy. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to do all of this damage and cause all of this irreparable damage and and chaos in the world. That's his motive. I mean, he's the father of lies. He speaks lies. That's his character. He's constantly lying in this. And the enemy will use anything to divide the church, anything. In Galatia, he was using circumcision. Today, he uses anything and everything he can. He's gonna throw it all at us. And let me just, let me encourage you with this. I'm saddened that that creates casualties, but it cannot ultimately succeed. It will not ultimately succeed. And maybe you've been a casualty of that where, and you've been hurt by the church. Look, I, I, I as a pastor, I'm not perfect. None of us people are perfect. None of our leaders are perfect. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect leader other than Jesus. And, and I've let people down and, and, and we've all been let down and maybe we've become a casualty of that. But, but, but where repentance is needed, let that be given. And, and where forgiveness is, needs to be given, give it so that we don't become a casualty of it so that ultimately the enemy does not succeed in, in his plans. I, I, I remember what Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50. I mean, this is after Joseph had been sold into slavery and, and put in a pit, sold into slavery in Potiphar's house to the prison and ends up, ends up second in command in Egypt. All over a dream, he told his brothers, oh, one day you're gonna bow my feet. Um, probably not the best way to say that to your brothers, but ultimately the, the circle comes back around and Joseph's father dies and his brothers go to Joseph because there's a famine in the land and they, they fall at his feet and they, they, they repent, they apologize. And uh, this is what Joseph said to them. He said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so we stop there. But when you look at that verse, there's a comma, it keeps going. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Look, there's a lot of people whose faith is, is struggling in this time. And, and what the enemy is meant for evil, God is meant for good so that many can be kept alive. I mean, I'm praying for, for the doctors and the scientists and the experts because, you know, what, what the enemy means for evil, 
Um, God means for good, and, and I'm praying for God to work that good in our medical sector so that, that many people are kept alive. I mean, all of these precautions we're taking, I know the pendulum swings, like is it overkill? Are we overreacting? Are we, are we, just, are we not doing enough? I mean, we go in the spectrum, but, but ultimately we, we do this so that many people can be kept alive and, and uh, kept safe and kept healthy. And, and so what, what Paul's saying is like, look, we're united by the grace of God. Where grace restores us with God, restores us with each other, and then the Holy Spirit is vital in that, that connection of grace, it's keeping that grace together so that we can stop the division. And so as we, we look at this, we're going to kind of do this a little differently. I'm going to give you some questions to discuss, and I'm going to go ahead and give these. I'll, I'll recap them at the end, but in this first point of appealing for unity and connection, here's what I want you to be thinking. How can we maintain unity and connection in an unprecedented time like this? You know, the question to ask yourself, how can I, or what can I do to stay connected and engaged as the church family? I mean, it's, it's amazing to see how many of you are, are just stepping up and doing so many things. And I see the posts on Facebook. I see everything. We have, we have some of you coming to the facility. You know, on Friday, uh, our facilities transformed to a, a feeding center where people were coming to get food and we're delivering food to schools and working with other churches and working with local food banks. And man, I just love seeing the church come together like this. I mean, that's, what, what can we do? What can my family do? What, what does it look like for us? The second thing Paul gives them appeal for is an appeal for truth. Uh, in verse 17, he indicts the false teachers and, and then Paul makes a stand for truth. And he says like, they, they have no good purpose. And, and here's the reality that, that we are, we're just in bombarded right now. We're in information overload. It's, it's just crazy, 24-7. I mean, it's even, you know, when we first started this process, our staff were saying, you know, we're going to assess this day to day. And then quickly it became, we're going to assess this hour by hour. Now it feels like we're refreshing every minute, trying to get the update. How many cases? What's going on? Where are the cases? What does it mean for, for food? What does it mean for my job? I mean, I, look, I... I Jobs are hitting close to home, guys. Um, I mean, my own family has been affected by this and, and losing jobs and being laid off. And, and I've, I've talked with some of you that, man, you're, you're, you're like, my job's done. My job's done. What do I do? And, 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 and there's going to be a lot of information coming in. And let me just encourage you to step back, stand on truth. How we process information is critical. How we, how we filter that information. Look, we're going to have a lot of opinions that aren't factual. We've got to get to the facts. We, we've got to ask this filtering question. What's the truth in this? What, what, what's the truth in this? Is this opinion? I mean, I just, we're, we're constantly in this thing. Well, I heard, you know, I heard, well, I heard. Well, can I, what did you hear? And, and do you really know the source of that information? I mean, because there's, we, speculation doesn't get anything moving forward. We've got to come back to facts. We've got to stand on truth. And ultimately, the Bible is the truth. The, the truth helps us filter this. It helps us to separate fact and opinion and truth and lies. And, and we looked at the Bible. I mean, Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, Jesus is truth. He is the truth. Even when he was arrested, Pilate looked at him and said, what is truth? I mean, he was staring truth in the face. So Jesus is that truth, and so we've got to get back to the, the truths of the Word of God. That's the foundation that we've got to stand on, man. 
because everything else is sand. I mean, the foolish builder built his house on the sand. When the storm came, it was wiped away. The wise builder built his house on the rock. So when the storms came, when the pressures came, when the trials came, when the tough moments of life came, there was something to stand on. And that's the word of God. It is our firm foundation. And so there's truths that we cling to in the word of God, that God is good. You know, I know a lot of people say, well, God's in control. You know, here's the thing I was thinking. To say God is in control is only, only partially gets you there because God is in control has to be coupled with God is good. And for us to say to someone, well, God is good, well, he's good, but he's also in control. We've got to stand that, that truth. God is good and he's in control. Bring those together. God is good and in control. God is faithful. Psalms tells us he's near to the brokenhearted. There's a lot of heartbreak in this. There's families that are grieving the loss of loved ones. There's families that are grieving the loss of jobs, grieving the loss of vacation, grieving the loss of, of life and normalcy as we know it. Look, there, there's, a, there's a trickle effect and a string of grieving that, that, are, that is gripping our entire world because things that we were looking forward to have changed. I mean, seniors in high school are grieving this time about, am I gonna get to walk the stage? This moment where, man, 12 years of culmination of celebration, am I gonna get to celebrate? And I mean, family vacations that you've saved and planned for, those are gone. Many of you are getting emails from your employer saying, look, effective this time, we're no longer being able to pay you. And so there's a grieving that's going on. Look, we've gotta get back to the truth that God is near the brokenhearted. He is good, he's in control, he's faithful. He never leaves us, he never forsakes us. He is our comforter. Jesus even said in John 14, he says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And he comes around us and he brings us, he reminds us of these truths that we stake our faith, our life, our hope on. And so I just want you as a family to talk about this. What are some truths that we can or that we need to stand on right now? And then Paul moves into this appeal for maturity, this appeal for, appeal for growth in grace. Um, this is his, he's exhibiting this pastoral concern over the church. And, and his concern is like a woman in childbirth. He's caring for them. And the motivation that he has is, I wanna see more of Jesus formed in you. And what he's saying is pursue grace like I was there. Um, my presence with you isn't dependent on you doing the work of the kingdom. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful that you're doing that. I mean, in this time, you are. I mean, I see posts. If you need food, I'll bring you food. Uh, if you need help, I, I, I'm here to help. Um, tell me how I can help. No judgment, no shame, no motive. Just, I'm here to help. And what, that, what, what I see in that, you know, what I see in this time is I can't look in your faces right now that you're, and you know, we're, you're not sitting in front of me. And it's like, like Paul says, I wish I could be with you. I do, I wish, I wish we were in the room and I could see your faces because I, I feed off a lot of your body language. But let me tell you something, what I feed off most is when I see Christ's character formed in you, that when I see these posts, when I see you engaging as the hands and feet of Jesus, what I see is the well-formed character of Christ in you. And that, that's the test of the church right now. You know, we, we talk, we talk and talk and talk about discipleship and, and growing in Christ and looking more like Jesus and becoming more like him. Well, this is the time, ladies and gentlemen, where that's put to the test. Test or, or where we see the measure of our character. And, and, and God, God, God doesn't, doesn't waste anything. 
God's working in this. This isn't a surprise to God and God's already seen the other side and how, how he's gonna be glorified and how, how we get the opportunity to walk in that. But, but this, this, this maturity that Paul is speaking of, do you, know, do you know how it's formed? Through trials, through testing, through moments like this. These actually bring more of Christ's character and maturity in us. Listen to what Romans 5 says. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, not by works, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's a beautiful thing. Then he goes on. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Hey, this just got real, y'all. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Sufferings produce endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. This is what Paul's making in his appeal for maturity. Look, you're, you're, you're going through a testing right now of your faith, but let that build endurance and steadfastness and that patience in you. Let that build the character of Christ in you. So ultimately that builds hope and it reminds you of this hope. Use this trial to look more like Jesus. I mean, think of it this way. I mean, to ask ourselves this, how can I allow God to use this time, this trial, this season, this moment to develop his character in me that produces hope for others? Because I've got the hope. But how does his character grow so that this hope gets produced and shed in, and, and poured out for other people to see? There's hope in this. There's hope in this. That God is good. He's in control. There's hope. I mean, so, I mean, here's what I would challenge you to do. Remember times in the past. I mean, God gives us this ability to remember. I mean, God says, I mean, David said, I recount all your faithful deeds. I mean, God says, remember. He told the, the Israelites, remember, read the law, go back and do this publicly. Um, remember my statutes, remember my commands. And so I wanna challenge you, go back, remember. Remember your past trials. Remember the times in your past that have been difficult and, and, and you saw God shape himself in you. You saw God's faithfulness in that trial at some point in the past. And I, I want that remembrance to start to bring a hope back to you because he's using this time to produce character in you. He's using this time to produce hope through you. And here's what I would say, ask God to do it again. He's faithful. He did it before, he'll do it again. Ask him to do that. Ask him to develop more of him in you. Ask him for more of his heart, more of his character, more of his hope. Look, this, this is an opportunity for you. This is an opportunity for the church because the world is gonna see what the church is really made of. And this is an opportunity for you in your own homes. I mean, to educate your families, to lead your families. You know, we're in a time where I think a myth is being broken that my spiritual maturity happens when I come to church. Your spiritual maturity happens when you act as the church. And this is your moment to act as the church in your family, in your marriage, with your kids, you know, with, with, with the people around you. And this, the God is developing this character and leadership in you. So 
You know, these, these are Paul's appeals. And, you know, I, I echo Paul's statement. I wish I could be with you. I really wish I could be with you. Um, but as I close this, this teaching, I just, want, I just want you to consider this. And, and I'm gonna pray for us, but I want you to do a couple things. I want you to, uh, in your group and your, as a family, if you've got friends with you, or even if you're alone, spend some time reflecting on these questions. And, and we'll put them up on the screen, but, but how can we maintain unity and connection in an unprecedented time like this? What can I do to stay connected and engaged as the church? What are some truths that we can stand on right now? How have my past trials shaped me in God's character? What is he teaching me through this? And so I want you to take some time as the church to discuss these, to to wrestle with these, and and then pray together. And then you close out this service on your own. We're going to do our, we're going to tie it up here, but don't close it in your environment until you've reflected and discussed and wrestled and prayed with this. So Father, our connection to the family, to the church looks so different right now, but I ask you to bring unity in this time. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to keep reminding us of truth, those truths that we can stand on and Help us reflect on the past to see how you've grown us and how you've shaped us in your character. And let us be open to what you want to do in us and through us as we go through these times ahead. We trust you and we submit to you and we know you're faithful. Father, I'm praying for those that are watching this this broadcast of our service that have never placed their faith in you, never placed their hope and their trust in you, that, that I pray this is that moment they got this moment in, in living rooms, families can lead family members to, to you, Jesus, and friends lead friends to, to you, Jesus, just by saying, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to redeem all of this. I believe you rose again to give me hope and to give me life and to give me eternal life so that I don't have to fear, I don't have to worry in all of this because I know where my hope is and it is securely in your hands. So Jesus, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my past. I trust you with this present time. I trust you with our future, my future. I trust you with all of eternity. And I'm asking for you to transform me into your image by grace and then continue to grow your character in me. We love you so much, Jesus. We thank you that your sacrifice is is covered even all of this, that you are the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every knee, every disease, every sickness, every ailment, every fear, every demon and the devil will have to bow because Jesus, you are Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. We love you guys. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at